incentives. How do we incentivize our workforce? How do we put in a bonus program to incentivize our workforce? We talk about the seven negotiating hot buttons. Incentives are one of them. As small business owners, we only have seven ways to negotiate to bring in that talent we need. We can give them a title, we can pay them a salary, we can give them incentives, we can have a great bonus uh, benefit program, we can have a 401k, we can give them PTO, and we can talk about their schedule, whether it's in office, hybrid, or remote. Those are the only seven things we can negotiate as business owners to bring in that talent. Incentives is one of the big ones. And today we have an expert to come and help us and help you understand a very unique and interesting way to incentivize your employees. My name is Corey Harlock. I am the creator of Key Hire, and I'll be your host here today. Uh, before we get started, if you like these podcasts, please help us out. Subscribe, leave a comment. If you like this episode, give it a five-star review. We're really trying to get the word out to small business owners and any help and anything you can do to help us is greatly appreciated. Um, today, we are talking to uh, someone that I hold in very high regard. Uh, I think I've talked before about I'm a proud Vistage member, uh, formerly and currently. I left for a while. I missed it. I came back and was really fortunate to find a great chair. Uh, his name is Chuck Hendy. Chuck, uh, not only is he a great Vistage chair, he's a very successful uh, successful. Uh, current and former businessman, he, he owned a business, uh, sold it to a private equity company, made a, a, a good return on that investment, and now has dedicated himself to helping small business owners like myself and hopefully you. And one of the tactics he utilized to motivate his workforce was a concept of gain sharing, not profit sharing, gain sharing, which I found to be super super interesting. So that's what we're going to talk about today, how we can incentivize our workforce through gain sharing. So let's bring them on, Matt, if you can bring Chuck in. Hey, Chuck, how are you? Great, Corey. Good to be here this morning. Thank you for inviting me and get to talk about my one of my favorite subjects. Well, I sure I, I know how busy you are. And I certainly appreciate you taking the time to spend with, with me here today so we can help some folks and give them, um, you know, the whole, the whole premise of the Key Hires uh, podcast for small businesses to help business owners and give them a, a different view of the same old stuff. And I thought this was a super cool concept and idea around incentivizing your employees? Well, I'll tell you, it's something I'm very passionate about because it had a huge impact on on our business and, and its success and ultimate valuation at the sale. So I, I think it's, it's just a huge um, opportunity for any, any business to really dramatically improve its profitability and the, and, uh, the relationship with the workforce. So anyway, let's, um, let's get going. Yeah. So the first question is an easy one. What the heck is gain sharing? 
<laughs> what the heck is gain sharing? Well, I'll tell you what, let me back up first. What is, you know, what are incentives all about? And, and that's really to motivate the workforce to align their performance with the objectives of the company. And of course, really the responsibility of that is on the, you know, the leadership of the company. So we, you know, we want to fairly compensate and motivate employees, uh, you know, to contribute to the company's success. So fairly uh, motivating to me is compensating the employee based on the company's gains and not just the profitability. So what's the difference between gain sharing and profit sharing? Well, simplest terms, you know, gain sharing is based upon remuneration or bonus, you know, based upon gains from, from where you are. So base point, you know, if you've been in business 10 years, does it make sense to be sharing the profits of the company with uh, somebody that's only been there two or three years? But gains, you know, make all the make all the difference. Um, you know, there's if, if if you've ever seen the movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where <laughs> Archibald is anticipating, you know, getting his annual bonus, right? And he gets jelly of the month, doesn't he? Isn't that what it is? <laughs> yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. So you know, where where businesses make a huge mistake is not really tying compensation or bonuses, you know, to performance. And, and I think, sorry to cut you off, Chuck, but I think that's yeah. such a good point because a lot of companies just default to a discretionary bonus. And, and in my experience, I've seen this happen where we brought in a super high impact uh, leader of a department and, and they what they were used to was a large business with a formal incentive structure that they could measure and see. And it was, my bad was that the, the business owner said, we have a very generous bonus we give at Christmas. Um, and I didn't quantify it and I, and I learned from that, but he said, trust me, it's very generous. And that's kind of the information I moved over to the candidate. And this candidate was kind of, their bonus was a percentage of base, you know, let's call it 10%. Let's say they were, you know, earning $150,000 for argument's sake. So they were used to a $15,000 bonus based on performance KPIs. Well, this, this business owner who was giving discretionary bonuses, their very generous bonus was $5,000 per. And they gave it to everyone. And in their mind, that was very generous. But the the expectation of this individual was very generous. Well, standard to me. And what's generous for you may not be generous for me. Is 15. I'm sorry, I, man, I just glitched there. What, what was that, Chuck? Well, you kind of froze there for a second, but I got the gist of it that, you know, what's generous for one may not be generous for the other. And what's equitable for one, this is not equitable for the other. If you just give $5,000 bonuses to all, you know, one tier, have, have you really fairly compensated somebody for their performance? Did everybody perform at the same exact level? Right. You know, and so that's the problem with profit sharing. 
uh, you know, what happens is the, the, the owner has a, a good year and they look at it, you know, they got some money in the bank and they go, okay, we're, we're going to have a bonus and everybody's going to be happy and it's going to be a great Christmas and all that. The problem is that nobody can relate what they did to what that bonus represented. And, and if then they, they feel like they work just as hard next year, yet they didn't get as much bonus so, or any bonus. So what, what's with that? So it really creates a, uh, it really creates a problem between the owners and the, and the employees. And maybe the owner had a great year and bought a new uh, Maserati and you're going to have people that feel like, well, man, I really did a lot to contribute this year because I got that big account or we, we did this or that. And, you know, the owner's getting this Maserati. What did I get? So. Jelly of the month. <laughs> Jelly of the month. Yeah. So, you know, gain sharing is based upon real gain. So you have to have a real base. Right. Standard, you know, to start with. And then measure the gains and, and attribute those to as close as you can to that actual employee or team or, you know, departments uh, impact on, on, on the gain. Right. So, you know, the responsibility of course is to measure it, you know, and to, you know, have the accounting in place to, uh, to base the incentive on there's some real, you know, the simplest, way of doing that of course is take you know you know keep it simple stupid you know keep it um as easy as what you can reasonably you know put together you know at, uh, at your company um uh, set of financials that relate as much as possible to a particular team or work uh, yeah. you know, working department uh, and there's easy ways of doing that which we can get into and that's, I wanted to go there, but the comment I wanted to make just to jump back a bit is I think that's the problem with discretionary and not measurable incentives is um, what a business owner can feel is very generous and motivating can actually be demotivating and seen differently by the employees, right? And it can actually right. cause a big divide. So uh, that's why I love the concept of gain sharing. So we've kind of talked about gain sharing the next question is what are what are the biggest mistakes that you could make when implementing gain sharing or if we want to flip it over you know what are the must do's to kind of set this this set the foundation up correctly so it can be executed on and and you can achieve the purpose you're setting out to achieve which is a motivated workforce well great questions and both of them relate to each other because the biggest mistakes that can be made or you know fall into two categories you know one is setting a bonus system up that's either unachievable or unsustainable right. they're kind of the you know two ends of the spectrum you know unachievable of course would be uh that you're going to do you know you're going to make 50 percent higher efficiency than or double your efficiency from you know what what is standard uh or that'd be great to do that right but or, is that 
really achievable. <laughs> right. Like if someone has a, a, a if a salesperson, they say you need to grow sales by 10% and they grow it by 50% and they say, great. So next year we need you to grow it another 50%. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's actually a, attainable or achievable because they, they did it right. Uh, but I've, I've seen companies, uh, I, I did, I did a little work for a company helping them in, implement an incentive system and they wanted to i'll just take one area that they wanted to reduce cost of maintenance for their equipment it was a machine shop and that included you know maintenance of the tools as well as the the machinery so we we got that set based upon what their standards were and uh, and then found that you know, we got the cost accounting data from the completed work orders. You know, nobody was getting anywhere near the standard. I mean, there was anywhere from 20% below standard to 50% below standard. So I go, where'd you get these standards? Well, that's just what we thought it ought to be. Well, does it make any sense that nobody can can attain that? Right. You know, so we did some time studies. Is you know, no no way anybody could do it. So that's that's setting an unachievable no goal, right? right? So that isn't fair, and immediately that's going to be seen as unfair. So it's got to be accurate. So that that plays into your other, you know, your question about how do you, you know, how do you establish it that and uh, to be reasonable and fair? Well, obviously you have to measure it. You know, there's I think Peter Drucker said, uh, you know, what is measured is not mastered. So so obviously you have to measure things if we want a company ought to know what its costs are and i think that's one of the biggest challenges for um you know small to mid-sized businesses that maybe maybe they don't have a sophisticated accounting system maybe they have quickbooks and but they really don't do cost accounting if you know if you don't do that then it's you know it's hard to set incentives based upon a standard because if you don't really have an accurate standard that's that's a problem so that that's the ways we can get in trouble. You've heard of KPIs, key performance right. indicators. If if you have good KPIs, then obviously then you've got something to measure against. Right. And so I, that's where we need to start. I think it's you know good good performance standards that are accurate, and then when you pay an incentive based on improving, which is really gain sharing, then you're really providing the opportunity for the, the workforce to do their magic. And they, and there is magic to a certain extent in our, in our company, we had a manufacturing company and it, initially we set up piece rates for production. You know, basically we paid so much you know per item that that somebody could produce and the ones we were doing were you know an employee could do two thousand a day which was pretty good uh, we developed a new product a variation on on it that was actually more complicated and when they started uh, we already knew that the the piece rate was a good thing for us and them so we set our rate and then we found that uh, 
after a few weeks, they were able to produce 40% more or, or reduce the, uh, the labor, you know, the labor hours by 40%. So that's, that's an example of when you, one, when you, if you set a right, the expectation ought to be, the expectation ought to be that, you know, people are going to refine what they do so they can make more, which, you know, was good for the company and the employee, which leads us to the other issue that people make the mistake on is making it an incentive unsustainable. So they have to be just as careful that you don't set the incentive, make it too rich or too high to where it's unsustainable. For who? For the for the company. Okay. I was going to say, I thought unsustainable where you're working them at such a rate that they can't sustain that work rate for 12 months. You know, you're burning them out and, and they're not lasting on the other side. Is is that... An, Something that's to- a problem also yeah basically you want to be you want to be reasonable um, be fair and equitable on both sides right right that's the that's the key to it now chuck you you know we talked a lot about kpis and you know just to go back i think what i what i heard you say is when we're setting these kpis one of the big mistakes is just kind of eyeballing it or going on gut um so the setting for gain sharing, the setup sounds like, like this is key. You got to have the right people come in and, you know, we had talked earlier, everyone doesn't get the same KPIs. The KPIs are kind of uh, department specific, right. right? So then bringing in the, the experts, like we both know Nelson, who's a lean guy. So if you have a manufacturing facility and you're not sure about some of your KPIs, having someone like you know Apex come in and do some measuring for you and looking at some different things, it is that the detail we want to do here, or is that kind of overkill? No, I think that I think it's a good starting place. I mean, at a minimum, uh, for a manufacturing company or, or any any process, is to go you know, do some time studies, video the operation. And, uh, you know, one, one of the things people miss is, you know, they, they actually watch the, the, let's say the operation without the setup that comes up between, you know, they miss that part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it only takes so long to turn it, you know, turn this, uh, screw into the hole. Right but they had to go pick the screw up and get it ready and get it ready to put, you know, so they miss, they miss that. So uh, main thing is be thorough and, and be fair and then have a standard and then have that uh, some comparison with past performance. If you know what that is. Sure. Uh, if, if, if we don't know, then, you know, we're starting from scratch with, let's just say a time study an analysis of the analysis of the operation. And you could bring an expert in, expert in, you know, like the Apex, uh, or you can just, you know, do it yourself. But it's valuable to, you know, set the standard, and not to where it's the the, the most Herculean Herculean uh, <laughs> or I guess the most exaggerated, you know, the most exaggerated uh, 
excessive way you could possibly do it. Right. But, you know, a reasonable standard, like you were saying, you know, where they don't kill themselves, which right. allows for little alterations in how somebody does the, the process that can be improved. And usually it's, it's uh, ergonomic or, you know, Sure. Systematic that that they were that they're able to ref, refine it to where it's improved, and that's the same with almost any. Doesn't have to be manufacturing; it could be any any kind of process. And it sounds to me like the going through the process of setting up game sharing gave you greater insight into your business. And let let me know. I'm not going to assume. Did going through the process of implementing gain sharing give you greater insight into your business? And do you think it made you a better leader of your business in terms of financials and people? Absolutely. You know, we believed in incentives. We started out with you know, with the uh, piece rate, as I mentioned. And then we had incentives for sales. And that's pretty typical. And but then and then profit sharing for because we made that mistake too, uh, you know, just distributing something at the end of the year based on having a good year. But the, the problem, of course, we learned that piece rate bonuses that worked really well, sales incentives that worked pretty reasonably well. Uh, but you know, for everybody else, especially when we grew, we had a lot more indirect uh, employees you know, and more uh, uh, overhead. You know, we didn't really have a, anything in place that would and really incentivize them to be more efficient or effective at what they did. A lot of times people really just don't know, don't know exactly what you want them to do. And, and we have a tendency to really focus on, hey, we want to make sure the customer's happy and we're getting production out, but we forget about the other workforce that's that's uh, less direct. So uh, fortunately, I was introduced to a, a guy that had helped implement an incentive system at a pretty large, or what became a really large company, billion-dollar air conditioning company. And they implemented this system because they wanted to be the lowest cost provider to, to be the toughest competitor in the market, which they became. Uh, and everything in their company was based upon reducing cost as a percentage of revenue. And th this guy helped us implement that system. And so we started with each department's overhead. So we allocated overhead to each department based upon you know, reasonable uh, analysis. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but but basically uh, reduction of overhead in, in a department allowed for you know paying a bonus. And we were amazed at the results of that. Right. Uh, and, and so that would apply, you talked of direct and non-direct employees. And just to clarify, the non-direct would be maybe the administration side of the business. Right. So your accountants, your office manager, your human resources, or anyone who's not in in operations, you know, right. turning a screw or out selling the product, but everyone who's in between there, maybe engineers or whatever. 
Yes, exactly. Okay. And if you've got a, if your company's growing, you're going to have more and more of those type people in your workforce, you know, that, that are accountants and HR and uh, office management and, and they need to be part of the success of the company. I mean, they are part of the success uh, or lack of, so they, you know, it's a great benefit to compensate them based upon improvements as well. For sure. Yeah. So uh, one of the things we found, Corey, was that uh, it, it made it a whole lot easier to manage the company because, you know, once we had this, in place and people were being rewarded based upon reducing the you know, overhead in that department. And we paid anywhere from 10 to 20% of the reduction in overhead, you know, out to the department and distributed that among the people in the department based upon their, you know, salary as a percentage of the total salaries in, in that department which is a, a fair way of distributing it. Right. And uh, you know, we had tremendous reductions in, in overhead. Um, I'll just give you an example. I think people can relate to is that, you know, when, when it's busy, uh, managers will say, look, I need an extra person to do this or that. And then when it slows down to normal, then those, their people are still there. Or they'll decide, you know, we need some other equipment, business machines. Everybody ought to have their own, you know, fax machine back in the day. And, uh, or a printer in every cubicle area. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, which increases the overhead cost. And when we implemented the incentive for reducing overhead, you know, one, we found that, oh, next thing you know, we're getting temp to perm employees to help when it got uh, busy. And then next thing you know, they wouldn't be there. And you go, what happened to Susie or Bob? And they go, well, we really didn't need them anymore because, you know, work slowed back down. And and uh, there was a renegotiation of the business equipment uh, lease, leases to where it was advantageous. Uh, you know, it became kind of the opposite. Instead of worrying about people exceeding their budget on, on wanting to hire or buy uh, equipment, we had kind of had to push them to hire when they needed or to, to get right. equipment because they were you know, all benefiting so well from the, the bonus system. We had, our, just give you a perspective, and I can't attribute all this to, to just this incentive system, but I think the focus on that, you know, saving cost and, and, and really focusing on profitability versus just sales increase, uh, we, we had a generally a 3% net profit per year for a long time, kind of an average. And over a two-year period, we grew to 12%, which is, you know, 4X, which was huge. And I attribute that to a number of things, but the incentives got everybody working together. Also, they were somewhat independent in their management role of their department that they wanted 
if the, they could do things that made that department more successful and therefore each department wanting to do the same uh, kind of led to, you know, the whole company right. being more successful, more profitable, which made my job a lot easier. So that's why I'm so excited and passionate about it and yeah. I love the opportunity to talk about it. So it's, so if I were to summarize, I know we covered a lot here, but the kind of the mistakes that someone might make is uh, not dividing the KPI, doing KPIs kind of by department. And then the second one would be not doing the research or, or consulting the right people to set, make accurate KPIs, um, you know, kind of going by gut or here's what I think. And then we touched on it really briefly, but also not just being stuck on, well, this is what it is. You have to be able to go back and say, okay, well, look, at, we're going to, we, we reserve the right to make adjustments as needed to these, because if, if you guys get really good at what you're doing and start, or we've made it too hard for you, we need to keep them kind of with between the lines and make sure they're, they're fair and equitable on both sides. Yeah, let me, yes, you're absolutely right. Setting accurate, KPIs, that's that's the start. Right. Uh, then, you have, then you have something to really measure against. And but you don't want to you don't want to make the bonus system so rich. You don't want to err on that side because then it's really uh, people hate it when you say, well, look, we got to reduce this because it's too much. Yeah. So you're much better off setting it you know, lower. I mentioned we do had 10 to 20%. So right. we'd set things to be low and then we could always make it more generous. Right. And that's just because you don't know. And if you set, uh, you know, overhead bonuses, the, uh, the overhead of a department uh, year on year is something you can measure pretty well as a percentage of revenue because revenue fluctuates. Right. So we, we annualized uh, everything and then we paid quarterly and then we would, at the quarter, we'd pay 50% of what was uh, accrued so far and put the other 50% in reserve. And then as the year progressed, you know, we would take, uh, take that reserve and add it back in. And then we ended up with a nice, you know, what was usually a really nice Christmas bonus based on paying off the open balance well that allowed for fluctuations because you could have a unusually high revenue in a quarter and then that would look like you ought to get a big bigger bonus and then right. the next next quarter falls off so that so even in and out so without making that seem overcomplicated make it fair to the work force and make it fair to the company and right. do the analysis required to set it up in, in a fair manner. And, you know, I think it is valuable, Corey, to, you know, have somebody that has some experience in that to, you know, coach or mentor. For sure. Um, and, and you know, we do that as well. And, and we'll get to that in just a second. Yeah. To go back, if you make a I immediately thought if you make the program too rich, now you're paying people big bonuses to 
not improve the gains as much as you want. So you're actually getting your, the performance is going to be less, but you're paying out more money. And that's why it's important to get that balance right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. set, it, so set it up sort of on the lean side and, uh, but not too lean. Yeah. Well, and, like and then, so uh, ec an equitable bonus really is, let's just say 20% of gains. Okay. That's it. That's it should be. Makes reasonably. sense. I mean, the company's keeping 80, you know, the company's taking all the risks, so they should be able to, and they're going to be some times that they're, you know, there's errors made or Error. issues that have to be overcome. So, you know, having that 80% makes it, makes it fair. And then you can always pay some more of that out in a Christmas profit bonus. sharing or, yeah, right. Um, it, that, that whole, what, what employees and business owners think is fair is a whole other conversation because a lot of times it's overlooked that the employer, or the business owner is taking a lot of risk, right? Uh, but we have, so we've covered kind of what it is. We've covered what you need to do to get it set up. Um, it sounds, it could sound a little cumbersome, like a big undertaking, so if, if I'm a business owner thinking this is something I, I need to look into or I, I want to investigate further, and I know this is something you do and will absolutely give you a chance to, to get your information up on here. But if I'm a business owner listening to this and I'm thinking, wow, I, I want to educate myself on this. What, what's the first step I should take or the first few things I, I need to do to get started? Well, I could recommend a book, uh, The Great Game of Business. Okay. And I got to think of who the author is of that. I think I've got it written down here. Matt might be able to flash it up here if we give him a second. He's pretty fast. Jack Stack. Oh, you beat Matt, Matt. Jack Matt. Stack. Jack Stack, The, the Great Game of great Business. Great Game of Business. I'm putting it on my to-read list. And I tell you, the, the essence of that book is a, a point that I left out. I didn't mean to, <laughs> but it's how important it is to share the data with the workforce. So right. the team and employee. So you don't want to just set the system up and say, and, and then here's your bonus. You want to have the, the collect the data, share the data, share the bonus calculation you know and this is usually set up ahead of time so you know hey corey when when we achieve this or as we get towards this you're going to get this percentage of the gain and here's the calculation here's the percentage here's the you know here's the data and then here's that report and here's your check right or if you're the department manager you know department manager here's the you know here's all the data and then uh, you as a department manager go, well, hey, gee, that doesn't make, it didn't seem like we really spent that much last month. Can I look at that in detail? Absolutely. So come into the accounting department and review the detail and, uh oh, we might have made a mistake on the, on the, uh, the uh, accrual or the accounting for that. Or, yep, in fact, uh, you know, we did have that that shut that machine uh, failure that had to be repaired and oh, forgot that, huh? Right. So, uh, 
being able to back up how the how the calculations were made and how the bonus was calculated and you know being completely open about that and that's what jack stack uh, wrote the book about great game of business but that that gets into detail on the why and a little bit of the little bit of the how and then that organization also you know has coaching and and mentoring to go right. with that as well but that's a good place to start okay and then the next best place to start would be to call you or contact you so if i'm a business owner and i want to get in chuck in touch with chuck hendy how do i do that well you can uh, probably the best thing to do is uh, look up my website, which uh, you guys may have. There you go. <laughs> and you could reach me by email. And there you go. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm very passionate about this and I uh, care about it. And this is kind of a side thing from what I typically do because I'm facilitating Vistage peer groups primarily. Uh, but I, I really care about this and how much it can do for uh, business owners and what a tremendous value it was to me. So I'm, I'm willing to help anybody. If they want to go a little deeper on it, I can, uh, you know, consult them and, and support them in a, in a way that I, I, you know, I get a fee for. But I'll be glad to talk to anybody initially and, and steer them in the right direction. And if they're running into a challenge, you know, help them get out of that uh, helps keep the ship on course. Awesome. Well, Chuck, I know I thanks for your time. And I think this is the information has been amazing and super valuable. And I just I I'm so happy we got introduced and uh, I, I was looking for a way to get back into Vistage and somehow we were reconnect. I was connected to you and thankful to be uh, associated with you and in your Vistage group. And I'm, I learned a ton. So thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Corey. And, I, and I'll tell you, uh, you couldn't have a, no chair could have a better member of a group because of how uh, engaging and edgy you are. And, <laughs> it, it, and then even throw in a little of that Canadian language. To yeah, go I know. That. So, some people might might substitute the word edgy for pain in the ass, but I'll take it either way. I'm okay. That's okay. Eh? <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chuck. I appreciate your time today. All right, Corey. Thank you. All right. There he is, Chuck Hendy. Uh, little sidebar on Chuck. Super humble. Uh, but one of the smartest guys you'll you'll ever meet. So I absolutely recommend uh, looking him up for a couple things. If you want to learn more about gain sharing, use the the email or hit up his website, chuckhendy.com. Or Chuck Hendy, that's his email. What's the website, Matt? Is it just chuck chuckhendy.com? Easy peasy. Ping him up on uh, gain sharing anything to do with business, wicked smart in those areas, or if you're exploring Vistage and that you think it's something that would be a benefit to you, and it would be, a benefit, uh, Vistage is an incredible resource if, if you find a chair that suits your needs. So he's worth talking to on that as well. They have you know um, small business groups, they have CEO groups for larger businesses, we have trusted advisor groups for service uh, providers, but Chuck would be able to He'd be a great resource for someone to talk to if you're interested in looking into that. 
So wrap things up. This is going to be our last live uh, episode for season one. We actually have a season one and it's done. Chuck was our last guest for season one. We are going to be putting some content out over the summer here. So be looking for that. We have some stuff in the can here that we're going to put out that I think you'll find really, really interesting. If you like this episode, like it, comment, share, subscribe to the channel. Give us a rate, give it a five-star rating. Help Chuck and myself out and give us a five-star rating. We uh, are trying to get our message out and the way the algorithms work with these uh, platforms is they, they need action. We need to get some clicks and we need some comments. We need some ratings. So we would appreciate any help you can do with that. If you want to learn more about Key Hire, how we can help you with your talent strategy or acquisition programs, you can hit us up at our website, keyhire.solutions. Another great way to stay in touch with us is on our LinkedIn page. We're always posting content on the LinkedIn page. You can check out these live streams, the podcasts, and any other information we're putting up there. You can reach out to me personally at Corey at keyhire.solutions, not.com.solutions. I messed Matt up with that. What else do we have, Matt? We have YouTube station. No. Oh, check out our YouTube channel, uh, Key Hire Solutions. And we, we have lots and lots and lots of content up there. But uh, I think that'll wrap up our show for today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We're going to see you in the second Wednesday of, of August coming up. But stay tuned for some cool content we're going to be posting in the interim. Until next time, stop grinding, start growing. We'll talk to you soon.